Hello, my name is Hannah Morell. Uh, I am with Pacific Stoa Financial Coaching, and this is Miserable Is Not Enough. So let's say you're sitting and talking with somebody. This could be a friend of yours, family member. It could be someone that you are in service of, like part of your, if your job is a community service, and this could be someone that you are, your job is to help. And they are talking about something that's really, really stressful. Um, and you start to begin to feel the same stress that they feel. Um, you feel this, like this impetus to act. You want to, you want to kind of like start, just, just start. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this, 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 uh, and we're going to fix this. We're going to resolve this. We're going to, we're going to make it go away. So th that initial instinct that we all have to, to help others is what we would all probably call empathy, right? Uh, and it's important and it's beautiful and I don't want to shut that down, but today we're going to kind of take a look at a way to kind of pull apart the different kinds of empathy. There's three different kinds of empathy, um, one of which we don't really talk much about because I don't think we're aware that it's a possibility. Um, I hope you're enjoying listening to my cat sneeze. Sorry about that. That's tank. Um, so let's talk about the three kinds of empathy. Um, in relation to like that little scenario where we're, we're being of assistance to somebody we're wanting to fix. So the first is um, somatic or physical empathy, where you can feel what they're feeling physically in your body. Like if they're talking really fast and they're, they're getting freaked out and stressed out, you can feel it in your chest, right? Like you can feel your heart rate going up, your blood pressure is going up. Um, and I don't know very much about these, but I, I, from what I understand, this is a result of something in our brains called mirror neurons, which is kind of creepy and very cool is basically our bodies don't know the difference between us feeling that and somebody else feeling that. And that's not a bad thing. That's just what it is. Uh, so uh, that somatic or physical empathy is important. And we're going to actually leverage that when we talk about the third kind of empathy. The second kind of empathy is the one that we would probably most readily define as empathy. And that is called affective empathy. And that's affective with an A, like affective forecasting when we talked about that in season one. So affective empathy is emotional empathy. Um, and similar to somatic or physical empathy, it is us getting right down there in their in the weeds with whoever we're talking to, right? It is affecting us. Their crisis is our crisis. Their trauma is our trauma. That sort of share, I, I am sharing your pain with you or excitement or joy or whatever it is, right? That is that is a what we would probably normally consider to be empathy. And the third kind of empathy is something called cognitive empathy, is that I, I am not in the weeds with you, uh, but I understand how you feel. I don't, I am not feeling the same way as you, but I do understand it. The cognitive empathy gives us a little bit of a distance. It gives us a step back so that we can think a little more clearly. Um, it isn't a bad thing either. And all of these three kinds of empathy are, are just what they are. There's no bad or good. But if you are in a position where you are caretaking for others, or you are the resource navigator or the teacher or the mentor or the coach, you kind of have to begin to get some distance between yourself and that 
concern, problem, issue, whatever it is, not the person. You can still remain tightly um, empathetic of the person, but we are getting a little bit of distance on the situation itself. Uh, and it might seem like that's not empathy, but it absolutely is. And it, it is protective for you as well. So effective or emotional empathy sinks you right into whatever they're doing, whatever their emotional state is, your emotional state is. And that's where we kind of get into some things like burnout is because if you're doing that many, many, many times a day, if they're the 12th client that you've talked to today and they are stressed out too, your little body and brain is not going to be able to handle too much of that over and over and over again. And so I hear sometimes when I'm talking to fellow coaches about that kind of burnout, they think the only other option is just to shut down and stop caring. And I want to kind of talk about that apathy for just one second, is that shutdown is trying to protect you. It's it's not a bad thing and you can't fight back against it. And I know that people feel a lot of shame for feeling the shutdown, but the shutdown, the I just don't care anymore or I can't afford to care anymore, that is an attempt to protect yourself. And so, of course, you're going to stop caring as much because caring hurts an awful lot. I think cognitive empathy is probably a good, um, a good way to... I apologize, folks. Tank is being super needy. Uh, not sure if you can hear all the wrestling around that's going on. Um, this is going to be a very Tank-heavy episode. Maybe I'll post a picture of Tank in the show notes if I know how to do that. I don't know. Anyways, okay, back to uh, cognitive empathy. Cognitive empathy is kind of the best of both worlds, right? It protects us um, similarly to, but not as extremely as apathy and shutting down would. Um, but it still allows us to be of service of the person that we're talking to be of service to the person that we're talking to. So the a really good ways to practice cognitive empathy is, is first of all, to observe, to recognize when you are entering the physical kind of empathy, right? Where do you feel that? Do you feel a buzzing in your head? Do you feel your shoulders moving up into your ears? Do you, do you, um, do you clench your teeth? Do you feel a tightness in your chest? Do you, does your back get sore? Where do you feel the physical manifestations of, um, of empathy, of, of, you know, being right there inside another person's joy or pain or extreme emotional states and using that that recognition, and this kind of ties into something called hot states, um, using that recognition as a trigger uh, for you to practice uh, a cognitive empathy um, exercise. And for the most part, the cognitive empathy that you um, can practice without like any, like getting a notebook out or like getting a worksheet out or do anything separately is, is simply to practice some reflective listening statements. So a reflective listening statement would be something like, okay, so the person is talking, they're very stressed out. And you say, uh, you reflect back. Um, it sounds like that's really important to you. I'm, um, another way would be the, with that, that sounds very frustrating. Right. So you are you are showing the person that you see them and you hear them and you're right there with them. But in this way, we are gathering a little bit of distance and that distance is for you to be in service 
for them. So that little bit of distance that you gather when you when you practice something called like a reflective listening statement um, is is a tool, and this is a skill and can be practiced. So there are many other ways to practice cognitive empathy. Um, you can try some micro interventions. One of my favorites is um, it would be weird if you weren't frustrated right now, right? That um, is um, acknowledging where they are or um, you're, you're, what we should not be doing um, and what is not empathetic even though I feel like it is, is what can you do to fix this? What can I do to fix this? Um, that is something that comes from motivational interviewing called the writing reflex. And the impetus to jump in there and fix or help them problem solve, while that may seem like it's effective, isn't terribly trauma informed and will probably result in them not, um, not overtly, but just instinctively rebelling against that. If they're already feeling like they don't have any choices, if they're already feeling shut down, stuck, like they're spinning their wheels, like they're they're trapped, providing them with a list of things to do or even trying to brainstorm on a list of things to do, using that writing reflex is, is probably just going to be one more thing that they feel like they have to do. So it's okay. It's always okay to just be there with them. Um, the way that I like to kind of like think about the difference between effective and cognitive empathy is is that you're just visiting you're visiting their trauma you're visiting their crisis you're visiting their their joy you're you don't live there they they live there and you have your own crisis and traumas and joys and delights that you need to be living in um and again this cognitive empathy can be both protective for you to prevent you from getting to levels of burnout, but it can also be more in service of them because you get the chance to kind of think a little more clearly. Um, there are ways to get to um, offering a tool. Um, maybe we'll talk about that next time. It's called the Ask, Offer, Ask, and that also comes from motivational interviewing, essentially that you assess the person's um, willingness or ability to take on some new information first. So we are asking for consent and then offering the tool and then summing up or asking some reflective listening statements. So we're past 10 minutes now. So um, I, I, I we're just kind of breaching this topic of cognitive versus effective empathy. Um, it, and now that we're more than almost 11 minutes in, it kind of feels like maybe we need some more. So give me your questions and thoughts. Um, email me, I'm hannah at pacificstoa.com. I'll put my email address in the show notes. Maybe I'll if I can figure out how to do it, I'll put a picture of Tank um, being annoying and snuggly. And I will talk to you guys in two weeks. Thank you so much for your time today. Bye-bye. The tools, concepts, strategies, and processes covered in this curriculum, coaching, and podcast are meant to be used for your personal development and or in the partnership with the tools that you are already using in the service of your community. If you are considering seeking compensation of, or contracts using this financial coaching curriculum, please reach out to Pacific STOA for more information on the Financial Wellness Coach Certificate and Exclusive Licensing.